There's something really curious about this broadcast. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, and we have main engine start. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and liftoff. This is TGP nominal. Extra. All systems remain nominal. 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 Hello everybody and welcome to this special edition of TGP Nominal Extra, your monthly look at all things science fact and science fiction. The reason why this episode is special, well, there's a couple of reasons really. One, we don't normally put out two episodes in the same month. And secondly, we have a special guest talking about a special event that takes place later in the month. You might remember on the previous episode of TGP Nominal Extra, Senior Advisor for Science and Exploration at the European Space Agency, Mark McCorcoran, came on board to tell us about his objects of the month. Well, I actually caught up with Mark McCorcoran to talk about space rocks because Mark is heavily involved with the event. Let's hear what he had to say. Dallas Campbell and welcome to Space Rocks. Beneath you is groaning and creaking, cryogenic fuel is boiling off, and then you get the word from your Russian instructor, we're off. This is a galaxy cluster forming right there. And we're very, very lucky to have the project scientist of Rosetta with us here. Please welcome Matt Taylor. I'm a local lad, born in London, so it's nice to come back here and talk to people and say, you too can go to European Space Agency. been brilliant. The reaction from the audience has been wonderful. The questions have been great. I've learned an awful lot. Nice to meet you. You can have the earth. Brian May has been here, one of my own heroes. How cool is this? <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, right. Thank Bless you, you too. I've really loved it. The reason why I've got you on the show, Mark, is that you're one of the founders of Space Rocks. It was your baby, wasn't it? <laughs> sort of. Most babies have two parents, and in this case, uh, shared with Alex Milas uh, from Twin V in the UK. But I suppose the origin of it was that during the Rosetta mission, uh, which many people remember, uh, we had lots and lots of interactions with people outside of the normal sort of space geek community, artists, sculptors, poets, writers, and, and a lot of musicians, you know, just people composing in their in their uh, bedrooms uh, through to major stars like Vangelis, for example. Everybody you know should know Vangelis from Chariots of Fire, Blade Runner, that sort of thing. And he recorded several pieces of music expressly for Rosetta and sort of gave them to us to broadcast at the time when the mission uh, came up to the landing of Philae in uh, November 2014. So we worked a lot with various artists. And, of course, most of that was through social media and online, so we were, you know, putting that material out. But it always struck me that there was something we could do to bring the music and the science and all the other stuff, uh, film, science fiction, bring that together in a public event. And so that was sort of the genesis, in my mind, of the idea of Space Rocks. 
it didn't have that name at that point. It was just something we wanted to do. Um, but then we met Alex uh, through Matt Taylor, the project scientist of Rosetta. And uh, he kind of had the same idea. He'd been following Ron Rosetta and was sort of intrigued from his perspective in the music business, uh, former editor of various magazines um, in the music business. You know, how could we bring this together? And so we just sort of sat down and started talking and, and, and we get on extremely well. So that was the idea. It took... <laughs> probably a year and a half or more of pushing and pulling, particularly with respect to legal things and you know, getting ESA to move, uh, to sort of think outside the box. But in the end, we got there. Uh, April last year was the first of those events, and I think it was uh, definitely a big success, and that's why we're doing it all over again. It certainly was uh, an amazing event, and I first heard about it. It was there was something very cryptic going on on social media about something called Space Rocks, and <laughs> I didn't know what it was, but I heard that Tim Peake was getting involved, and I wanted to find out more, so I did a bit of detective work and got hold of Alex, and um, uh, we started speaking about it, and he said, how would you like to come along and record stuff for the podcast mm. at the event? Mm. So I said, yeah, sure, that'd be, that'd be awesome. And he set up a, a few interviews for me prior to the event so that we had an idea of what the event was all about. And I don't think it could have gone any better, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, you know, I think um, we, we got lucky in, in, in one sense. You know, we had a great audience there responding to some very interesting speakers, not only from science, but also outside. Um, one of the people, for example, uh, we had last year was Alistair Reynolds, a uh, famous science fiction author in the UK and around the world. But he's actually a former ESA scientist. I like to joke. I'm not quite sure I have the story exactly right. But uh, he'd been writing short stories for a long time uh, while he was working for ESA. And when he got his million pound book contract, he sort of walked out the door and said, right, I'm done with that. Uh, I'm not quite sure if that's the full story. But indeed, you know, the sort of resonance that it had with many people, because the, the, the main aim really is to sort of show that there's a crossover between various cultural things. And space, in many ways, is as much a cultural endeavor. It is as a scientific and technical endeavor. You know, there's something which speaks to us as human beings about space exploration. It's, in some, some ways, it, it reflects back on us and lets us look inwards, you know, when we contemplate the entire universe. You know, what's our part in it? Where's it come from? Where's it going? And musicians very often pick up on exactly these kinds of themes as to writers. So I think, you know, it was really nice that the audience uh, engaged with that so well. Later in the summer, actually, we'd done some other events. So we went to the Latitude Festival uh, in Suffolk and did a one-hour panel session there with uh, Susie Imber, who uh, is a planetary scientist at the University of Leicester. Many people yeah. know her um, in the public domain more that she was the winner of the astronauts program on BBC Two uh, with Chris Hadfield. And she's actually one of the speakers uh, of the next Space Rocks in, uh, later this month. But we also had, uh, for example, Jason Isaacs came along to that event. I'd met him at a science fiction convention uh, in Germany and said, do you want to be you know, involved in Space Rocks? And many people will know him from being Lucius Malfoy in the Harry Potter films. But he was captain in the, the most recent Star Trek series in the first season, Star Trek Discovery. And he's been great. You know, he's done several things with us. He came to our open day uh, at Eztec in the Netherlands in October last year. We did a whole space rock session there, including half of Marillion, for example, the band. Uh, we had uh, Neil Armstrong's son, Rick, who's a friend of Marillion, wow. it turns out. Uh, wow. And we had several of our own astronauts <laughs> and we had lots of speakers and, and some musicians composing live on stage. So, yeah, no, it's, it's, we've done quite a few small, smaller things, but now we're going back to the O2 on 21st of September 
um, this year uh, and sort of repeating probably on a somewhat larger scale what we did last year because it was such a success. So what is going to be different about this year's event compared with last year's event? Well, some of the things will be very familiar to people in the sense that we have three sessions in the day. Um, and hopefully, you know, some people will stay for all of them, but it's, you know, it's a long day. It'll be um, upwards of uh, 11 hours uh, if people want to come for the whole thing, and I hope they do. Uh, we're going to start with the first session is going to be the same as last year. So a series of short talks, about 15 minutes long, uh, from people in space and around space. So Tim Peake will be coming back and talking there. And last year he spoke about his mission to the International Space Station, Principia. But this year he's going to be talking about future exploration, going back to the moon, possibly humans going to Mars. So a, a more forward-looking sense of, of where the European Space Agency is going with its partners. Susie Imber will be speaking about Mercury and the BepiColombo spacecraft in that session. Then we have two of our own engineers. Uh, Kate Underhill is a propulsion engineer, works on rockets. So uh, that's good, having a rocket scientist along. Um, and I've just seen something that she's written, uh, sent me an email this morning. I think she's planning something quite interactive with um, some of the kids in the audience, because this is more designed, if you like, sort of eight-year-olds and upwards, let's say. Not, not that it's not going to be suitable for adults, but it's definitely going to have the kids in mind. Shahzad Timmond, uh, she works on robotics in space and how humans and robots can work together. And then the final speaker in that first session is Paul Franklin, who's an Oscar-winning visual effects director who did the visual effects for Inception, Interstellar, various of the Batman films and some of the Harry Potter films as well. Uh, he also did The First Man, actually, the uh, film about Neil Armstrong. He did the special effects for that. So I think that's going to give a com completely complementary view on how space looks in the movies. And I think that's something which people will enjoy a lot that session. Let's see. So the afternoon session is where we're probably making the biggest change because last year we had Ryan May there, we had Tim Peake, we had some of the musicians. Everybody wanted to be on stage with Tim and Brian. And to be honest, it, you know, it kind of worked, but it was a little bit stagey. Helen Keane was the moderator and she would ask a question, then it would ripple down the line and everybody would say something for 30 seconds. So what we're doing this year is um, having conversations between pairs of interesting people, people who maybe address the same subject from different directions. So to begin with, we, well, we haven't figured out the exact order yet, but we're going to have Tim talking about how the Earth looks from above, looking down from the space station. And he's going to be talking to Tamsin Edwards, who is a climate scientist at King's College in London, who works on the melting of glaciers, melting of uh, ice in the Antarctic and the Arctic. And so they're going to be talking about climate change. And this is obviously a very relevant topic where ESA plays a big role in monitoring the environment. But talking about that... Um, at a higher level, I think probably, you know, sort of more 15-year-olds. 15, 15 I mean, again, kids will be able to listen in, but it's a little bit more grown-up. We have Chris Lintock from The Sky at Night and uh, from The Zooniverse talking to Lucy Hawking, the daughter of Stephen Hawking. And she's a science communicator as well and has worked a lot on working with kids and uh, young people to bring science and space into their lives. So that'll be an interesting discussion, sort of, let's call it citizen science, perhaps. And then the third pairing there will be Sue Nelson, who's a space journalist, but also wrote the book last year uh, about Wally Funk, one of the so-called Mercury 13 astronauts or candidates who were tested in the 60s with the same medical tests as the Mercury 7 that actually flew. Uh, but they're all women and they're all pilots. And Wally's still out there, hopefully flying with Virgin Galactic at some point. So Sue is going to be talking to Dominique Tipper, and she's uh, the actress, uh, she's from the East End of London, but she's an actress in the show which is now on Amazon Prime called The Expanse. 
it's very well known in the US. I think a lot of people watch it in Europe as well. I've started watching it this summer, um, and it really is a fantastic look at sort of, you know, 300 years in the future in the solar system. And it's not all glossy and, you know, um, lovely out there. There's a lot of uh, politics and a lot of uh, class structure and us, and us and them kind of stuff between the Earth, Mars, and the, the asteroid belts. And Dominic's, you know, fantastic. So she's going to be talking about, let's call it inclusivity, diversity, um, access to space beyond the kind of usual right stuff white men that, we, that we've all grown used to. And then the fourth conversation, it's not fully booked yet, let's say, but I think it'll turn out to be a very interesting one if we can get the person along. Just trying to get them to uh, say they're not going to be off somewhere else. And uh, so that we'll leave that one as a surprise uh, for close well, to the time. Always keep them wanting more. That's what <laughs> I say. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just, just so also, of course, people say, well, that's all good. You know, you've got the science fiction and you've got the, uh, you know, the kind of the, the film stuff in there. The music, of course, is the important part of the day as well. So during session two, we're going to have um, a violinist called Anna Phoebe and she's worked with various rock bands over the years and done lots of her own music sort of um, interesting rock all the way through to ambient so she's composing a new piece which she'll play about 10 minutes long or so and that will feature in session two in the middle probably and then after session two clear everybody out of the auditorium and there'll be lots of things to see in the auditorium lots of models uh, spacecraft models rocket models all this kind of good stuff and there's a lounge upstairs with some stands and, and merch stalls and so on then we clear that out take all the seats out and we'll then have a, a gig in the evening with three bands a band from australia called voyager a uk band called amplifier and then the headliners are anathema big progressive um, post-rock band if you like and they're actually also getting some custom-made visuals made by an artist christina pulyakova featuring some of isa's imagery and that will play behind them on stage as they put this sort of unique set together so uh, re really looking forward to having having all of them along sounds like a good day to me at least uh, ho hopefully it sounds good to everybody else space the final frontier these are the voyages of tgp nominal on its infinite mission to explore space, science, and technology news, to explore the world of sci-fi, comic-cons, and gaming, to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. When I spoke to, to Alex, he was saying that a lot of the bands involved this year have got a very good outlook when it comes to space and space exploration because they're very heavily focused on that kind of stuff. So it fits in just perfectly. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there is a danger, and we're well aware of this, that we could sort of get a little bit into our own ghetto where we're only sort of playing prog rock, space rock, that kind of music. And more widely, actually, we're working with a range of other artists, sort of partly under the rubric of space rocks and partly under other things here at ESA. So I'm working with a classical musician, you know, contemporary classical called uh, Kate Moore. She's in Amsterdam and we're, she's putting a piece together uh, funded by a Dutch arts council. And then kind of the other end of the spectrum, I'm, I'm doing a big show, not space rocks, but linked to ESA, in Germany in November with a big jazz band. You know, there's going to have some special new compositions made for a big audience, two and a half thousand kids. And the thing that worries me the most at this point is that it's I've got to speak in German for half an hour. So uh, that's going to be, an, I mean, I do speak German, but it's been a while. So uh, 
that one's going to be interesting for me. But so, yeah, the, the, the kind of spacey prog rock stuff sort of is, is the core at the moment. But we're working with lots of other artists and uh, hopefully we'll be you know, reaching out to other musical genres because we realize, you know, that tends to be a bit self-fulfilling, you know, that people who like space like Vangelis, for example. But there's a much bigger range of music out there that we can tap into. And, uh, yeah, there's some interesting people we've been talking to for future events. So we'll see how that goes. But we're very keen to work with people, as you said before, who have an engagement in what we're doing. But also people that we, you know, we know through links through Alex, through me personally. I know quite a few musicians, and because that personal engagement then makes the whole experience much more um, engaging for the audience. They can kind of see that they're not just you know, haven't just bought the band in and stuck them on stage, and then they'll go off to another festival tomorrow. They they see it as something special, and I think that comes through in the artists we had last year, Charlotte Hatherley. I mean, you know, from uh, former guitarist with Ash. Who would have thought that yeah. she was a space freak? But when I met her before Space Rocks and started talking, she was just thrilled to be able to come along and do something um she had a single that came out and, and i helped to put the the video together for that um featuring imagery from our gaia observatory uh, measuring stars moving around in the milky way and that you know it's a lovely hypnotic uh, it's a it's a cover of a bg song of all things but you know that yeah that kind of mashup i think if, if it's genuine and not just purely commercial and sort of done for the sake of it I think that comes across. I think people see that, and that, that, that makes it all the better. The whole package put together was very beautifully done, and Charlotte's voice on that track was very haunting, which just worked. Yeah. I meet her regularly, and I, I meet the others. Uh, John Mitchell from Lonely Robot. Unfortunately, Arcane Roots, they played last year, and they, they, they decamped to Iceland shortly afterwards. Um, so Andrew Groves and moved off there and doing interesting things. But exactly that is continue. It, there's a continuous sort of sense afterwards that if you make a relationship with people through this, they'll come back in and help somewhere. You'll, you'll help them out with something. Uh, so Space Rocks, in some ways, I mean, that's a bit of a cliche, but we like to think of it as a family. We may do one event together, but you know, we may come back and do something something off in the Netherlands or in Poland or in Germany and France and that, that's one of the things we really have to do with Space Rocks because ESA is is not just the UK of course it's 22 member states and so we're looking now at various ways of transporting what we've done in the UK and moving it around Europe and that that's got logistical issues language issues but uh, we're excited about sort of expanding the Space Rocks model. That would be brilliant, wouldn't it, to, just to have an, a Space Rocks event at every single member of ESA <laughs> countries. That would be fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it, daunting in a sense, right? And we were a fairly small team at the moment, but um, of course there's been discussion on, on the commercial side about bringing in sponsorship and so on. But again, we want to make it work first. This is not about making money at all. Of course, Alex and the team at Twin V, they have to pay their bills, but we do donate money to charity, um, out of the profits, you know, the ticket prices are relatively low compared to some events of the, of the similar kind. We want to make it a, as accessible as possible, bring in people who wouldn't normally necessarily go to an event like this because the European Space Agency is paid for by everybody who pays taxes in Europe. Uh, it's not just a big elite event. And I think that that's, that's very much sort of one of the messages we want to get across. This is not about, let's say, getting all the usual people in the room together, uh, all celebrating, all woo-wooing and saying how great space is. But we've got to place space in the wider social, cultural, political world that everybody else lives in. Um, and so it's not really just sort of a recruiting thing for space so much as a place where people who think, you know, may maybe I can't contribute as a scientist or as an engineer, but maybe I can contribute through art or through just being a rational, informed citizen, I think. And, and, and having people on stage like Susie and Tim and Paul Franklin and so on uh, talking about how the, their world works 
using space as the central theme, I think that's almost more valuable than the whole business of, you know, sort of saying, hey, picture of Saturn, isn't that great? Definitely. Especially in the UK, on the curriculum for children now that space is recognized as part of the syllabus in schools now especially astronomy so you know an event like that would be fascinating for for kids yeah and and you know and of course we're we're limited in the end i mean how many kids are there in school in the uk how many schools are there i try to you know i go around i give lots of talks public talks every year and i do quite a few in the uk but you're always very conscious you know you can only go so far um there's only so much you can do so at the moment we're, we're in a fairly small venue which is quite intimate there's about up to 1500 people there but you know is there a way of reaching lots more people lots more kids um i don't know i think these events take a lot of organization um it's not really the money side it's just the time you know talking to lots of people getting them signed up but I'm very keen on going much beyond. Again, I'm not trying to <laughs> trying to diss the, the space community, not at all. But I don't want it to just be one of those events which is just for the in crowd, so to speak. How do we how do we go beyond that? Uh, that's a you know it's an important question. I'm very very willing to talk to anybody about ideas about how to scale that up. And I think with this year being the you know the anniversary of the moon landings has kind of brought space to a, a new audience. Yeah, I think it has. You know, it's a little bit of the, um, you know, the nostalgic look back to when life was simple in the 1960s. Of course, it wasn't. We just were kids, right? So, we're, <laughs> um, you know, Apollo wasn't about Apollo as such. Apollo was about the Cold War. Apollo was about Vietnam. Apollo was about the Soviet Union. It was a very complicated dynamic. Yeah. Um, but capturing the essence of that and, and the fact that hundreds of thousands of people came together to make a project like that possible... As, as we look into the future, times don't look particularly optimistic in various ways. I mean, politically on one hand, but also in terms of climate change. Um, you know, this stuff is coming. How can we capture, if you like, the spirit of what Apollo was in the technical sense and the, the community sense and apply that thinking to um, not necessarily to space, not necessarily to going to Mars, for example, but to, uh, you know, realizing we have to combat climate change and many of the other challenges which face us on the Earth. So I think, yeah, there's a, it's an interesting time because I think there's a little bit of escapism that people are you know, saying, well, let's all go off to Mars and we'll colonize that and then we won't have to worry about, worry about the Earth. Just make whatever number up you like, right? Even if it's a million people going to Mars, that's one in 10,000. That still leaves 10 billion people on this planet. Yeah. So uh, we have to be careful not to indulge in too much nostalgia. We have to really look at, you know, steely-eyed at what it was and what we can do, what we can achieve in this political environment. Uh, but again, for me, it, it's not per se about bringing people into the space business and saying you know this this is the amazing stuff we do sort of like a gateway drug come and see what you can do when thousands of people work together on a challenging problem uh mathematics works physics works you know you can't deny these things and and you know you might only be one person in a big team but you're maybe an invaluable part of that team like everybody and the same goes for voting you've got to vote right just saying you're one in 10 million doesn't make any difference it makes as much difference as anybody else. Um, I think sort of communicating those messages as I get a bit older and I've got kids, these are just as important to me as sharing the experience of uh, exploring space for itself. And that's the beauty of ESA, to be honest with you, because you've got all these different nations working together with one goal. 
Yeah, I think that's that's an incredibly important point, right? It's an interesting sort of dynamic that if you look around the UK in particular, you'll see a lot of kids wearing NASA shirts. And, and of course, that reflects the massive achievement that was Apollo. But it's a slightly strange thing that it's sort of, you know, celebrating a, another country across the Atlantic when you have your own space agency where you are collaborating with all these other countries. I think that message is very clear for us. It's, you know, it's it's in our DNA. It's it's in our makeup from from the ground up that collaborating and working together is we just couldn't do these things otherwise. And we collaborate with Japan. We collaborate with China. We collaborate with India. We collaborate with the United States with the, with with Russia. This is what we do. Um, and I think again that message is much more important than sticking one flag out front and saying we you know we this group of people we did this and you didn't it's like no we did this together and that's that's really important to me and i think that's what came across really is the fact that people said we did this as in the human race we did this and that was that was true in apollo as well right i mean i think you know uh, if you look back at the contemporary news reports it was very much a we thing and and i think that was perhaps that spirit got lost in the in the intervening 50 years a little bit uh, you know, for all that we might pat ourselves on the back and, and say how inclusive we are. It's a big world out there. And I think as, as things like climate change set in, we have to be very careful uh, to be as broad and as inclusive in possi- as, as possible. You know, there are many people in the places which will probably be hurt most by uh, the climate crisis who, who don't have a space agency. And so when it comes to Earth observation data, for example, uh, the, the, the data um, from our Copernicus constellation, those are all public. They're all free. Anybody can have them. Anybody can use them. So they're not exclusive. <laughs> sort of, again, this idea that as you look out into space, and you think, ah, oh, this is where we're going. We're going to put heavy industry in space. We're going to create a park out of the earth. I mean, these are all very sort of, um, let's call them Silicon Valley type visions. And, and you know, we don't all <laughs> live in Silicon Valley. The world's a bit, uh, a bit more complicated than that. Definitely. <laughs> I'm making space rock sound all very worthy, as if you've got to wear a hair shirt to come along. Of course, the idea is that it's fun, and people are going to have a, a good day out and, and meet very interesting people and hear some great music and see some great visuals as well. But uh, I might have my background uh, view on what, it, what it's all about behind. Nobody's going to have a bad day. We're not going to make anybody feel guilty. Come along and have fun. It, it certainly was fun last year, and I came away from the event feeling as though I had experienced something really special. Oh, that's great. Very, very pleased to hear that. Well, Mark, it's been a, a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. Likewise. And, um, well, I look forward to seeing you at Space Rocks. Yeah, not long to go. A few things to sort out, but uh, 21st of September uh, at the Indigo at the O2. And uh, people can go to our website, of course, um, www.spacerocksofficial.com, and uh, you'll find out everything we're doing and uh, can buy tickets there. International Podcast Day is September 30th, and you can help spread the word. You may be asking, what can I do to get involved? It's pretty simple. Head over to internationalpodcastday.com and check the suggestions. Then use hashtag International Podcast Day to join the conversation. You can reach out and connect with other podcasters, listeners, and your favorite podcast hosts. Remember September 30th, International Podcast Day, a day-long celebration of the power of podcasts. 
Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spamheadproductions.weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. Before I go, I must say a massive thanks to Mark McCorcoran for coming on board and talking with us about Space Rocks and revealing his Object of the Month for September. Join us again in October for our World Space Week episode of TGP Nominal, which is also the start of our Season 6, so there should be a lot going on in that episode. So take care one and all, thanks for listening, and I'll speak to you all again real soon. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of TGP Nominal. If you want to get in touch with us, then send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com, where your input is our output. Or click the social media icons at the top left of the page over at tgpnominal.weebly.com. If you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts, you can do so via iTunes, the RSS feed, and also Stitcher and TuneIn On Demand Radio. And you can listen to me going solo, bringing you the latest in movies and home theater for regular people in the Widescreen podcast over at widescreen.org. Don't forget to rate and review us. If you like what we're doing here, then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages. And don't forget to spread the word about us. Station, this is Houston ACR. Thank you. That concludes the event.